have your Bibles, turn with us to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew. Chapter number 2. Gospel of Matthew. Chapter number 2. While you're turning, let me read this card before I forget it, because I will forget it, and I do not want to do that. I received a Christmas card to the church. It says, Praying for Pastor and Family, Mount Tabor, we love you in the Lord, Pastor and Eva Cooper. So Brother Butch has sent a Christmas card to the church. It says, A very merry and joyous Christmas to you and yours, wishing all a great Christmas in his love. Love forever to our church, Pastor and Eva. So you be praying for Brother Butch and his family, and we appreciate the Christmas card that he his wife has sent him to the church, and so you'll be remembering them this Christmas. All right, Matthew chapter number two, we're going to start our reading in verse number one, okay? And I'm going to read down uh, maybe to uh, verse number 11. Stand with us, if you will, tonight for the reverence, reading the reverence of the word of God. Stretch your legs one more time, okay? I get your legs stretched out, and I won't feel bad if I go a little longer tonight, all right? All right, the Bible said in Matthew chapter number 2 and verse number 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them, uh, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Excuse me. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king that departed, and lo, the star uh, which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country. Another way, you can be seated tonight. Heavenly Father, help us now as we go into this preaching hour. Pray, God, that you'd help us to rightly divide the word of truth. And pray, God, you'd help us as we open the word of God and try to preach from it for just a little while. Say that sinner nearest hell. We'll thank you and praise you. Give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, I want to call your attention tonight, Lord, being our helper, to one verse of Scripture, that being verse number 11. There's a whole lot of preaching that can be done between verses 1 and verses number 12. And uh, our heart is to deal with those specifically with verse number 11. Try to bring you a little thought here that the Lord has placed on our heart, okay? The Bible said in verse number 11, When they were come into the house, 
They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened the tre uh, their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense. And let me call your attention to who the gifts were presented to. Now we understand that they were no longer in a stable. They were in a house. The idea of there being three wise men around a manger scene is not really uh, what the Bible portrays to us, okay? Uh, we understand that Christ, no doubt, was no longer in a stable. He was in a house somewhere. Uh, the idea that there were three wise men simply come from the fact that there were three gifts. Also not something that we can derive from Scripture. The Bible does not tell us how many wise men they were, but they do emphasize that they were wise. Anybody that will come to the Lord Jesus Christ to worship Him in spirit and in truth and give them themselves for the cause of Christ and for the Lord Jesus Christ is a wise man. Alright, and so the Bible tells us uh, that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. These men were wise because they understood who they were coming to see. They give of their efforts to go see him. And you understand the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And uh, so we understand that they give of their treasure to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not to Mary, not to Joseph, not to the owner of the house, but to Christ. What they come, they come to give to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what do we see uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ received of these wise men? We see that uh, he received gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so I want to call your attention, if I can, to these three uh, items that we find in the Word of God that was presented to the Lord Jesus Christ and look at the significance of these three particular things that these wise men brought to Christ. Now I want to say this, because they were wise, they must have had some understanding as to who they were going to see. And we understood that when uh, they talked to Herod, they were looking for that of Christ. Do you understand that? So they knew who they were coming to see. And they had some special things that they wanted to bring Christ. And what is it that these things Represent. So that's what I want to look at tonight is just a few moments of what these items that were given to Christ actually represent. You can find in the Word of God that gold is a representation of something. Gold was used to honor kings in the Scripture. 1 Kings 10 and 18 tells us that Solomon had an ivory throne overlaid with the finest gold. Exodus 25, reading verses 10 through 21, you'll find that the Ark of the Covenant was overlaid with pure gold. The mercy seat and the two cherubims were made of pure gold. And so when we look at gold as something that uh, is of high value, uh, it is given to that of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a representation of the deity of Christ because they understood that who they were coming to see was indeed that of the king. Yes, it was a, a, a little baby. Yes, it was the spotless, sinless Lamb of God. But it was more than that. Jesus was more than that. He was King of kings and Lord of lords. And they understood that they were coming to offer something to that of a king. And so they realized that uh, when they handed him or laid, handed over, you will, the gold. Then we find the frankincense. And frankincense was used uh, in incense and in perfumes in the Old Testament. 
And it was made specifically, we understand here, for the Lord. This perfume was made for the Lord. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 30. Let's look at something here for just a moment. Exodus chapter number 30. I want to drive this point home if, if I can. Exodus chapter number 30. Let's look at verses number uh, 37. The Bible said, let's back up to verse number uh, 35. And thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the ark of the apothecary, tempered together, pure and Holy. We'll find in verse 34 that frankincense was an ingredient to this recipe. Verse 36 says, Now shalt beat some of it very small, and put of it before the testimony in the tabernacle of the congregation, where I will meet with thee, it shall be unto you most holy. Now here's the warning. And as for the perfume, understanding that the frankincense is an ingredient that makes this perfume, which thou shalt make, you shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof, it shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. In other words, you're not to use it. You're not to mix it. You're not to take this recipe that's been put together as a sweet-smelling savor unto the Lord and then apply it to yourself to smell the same way. Now, you do remember that Mary was the one that took the uh, alabaster box and broke it in the ointment, and she applied it to that of Christ, and her service to that of Christ is what caused her to smell like Christ. But we're not to take of the things that we offer to Christ and give it to ourselves in the same heart and in the same mindset because it is against God. And it says here, and as for the perfumes which thou shalt make, you shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof it shall be unto thee for the Lord, whosoever shall make like unto that to smell thereto. In other words, if you're going to mix this concoction up that you're giving to this to the Lord for a sweet smelling savor and use it unto yourself, there's something that's going to happen. So shall even be cut off. From his people. So we understand here that this frankincense was uh, was made into a perfume, if you will, uh, and offered to the Lord. And so we also find uh, in the word of God that frankincense was used as part of the meat offering and a sweet smelling savor. According to Luke 1, 9 and 10, Psalms 141 verse 2, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8. Revelation chapter 8 and verse 3, we find that frankincense, uh, Brother Shane, is a symbol of prayer. So due to its use in the tabernacle and in the temple, then we find that frankincense in this situation, in this context, is symbolic of the priest's work in offering the prayers of the people to the Lord. You find frankincense is used by the priest in this reason and for this cause. Now it's interesting because why would they take something that was used by the priest for this cause and offer it to the Lord Jesus Christ? Something that could not be given or applied to that of a human for that same reason. Because we wasn't just dealing with a human, we was dealing with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was fitting that this offering could be given to the Lord Jesus Christ. Understanding but this is a picture and type uh, of, of uh, or symbolic, if you will, uh, to prayer. We find and symbolic to that of the priesthood. It's a representation of the office of the great high priest. And so we understand here in Hebrews uh, chapter number four, verses number 14, the Bible says, seeing then that we have a great high priest 
that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. In other words, Jesus Christ come not only as the Lamb of God, but He was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it was understood by the wise men when they brought this frankincense that He was our great high priest to come. Thanks be unto God. And we know that He ever liveth to make intercession for us, and He's our intermediator. And uh, He was rep- this uh, frankincense was a representation of that. Okay, and so... We come now to the myrrh, and I've done lost my place. Let me get back over to Matthew chapter number two here. All right, so we find the gold as a representation uh, of his kingship. We find that the uh, the frankincense here is a representation of the office of the great high priest. Then we find myrrh is a representation of the death and suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, what? Well, how do you know that, preacher? Let's look at Mark chapter number 15 and verse number 23. Mark chapter number 15 uh, and verse number 23 says, And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. So we see the custom of the Jews to mingle wine and myrrh is to aid Uh, in deadening pain and to cause insensibility. And we know that it was offered to Christ. Christ was in great pain. He was uh, shedding His blood for the remission of sins. And He was dying on the cross of Calvary for all of mankind. And He took the pain and the suffering in its entirety for you and for me. And so He did not take of this myrrh. But John chapter 19, uh, verse number 39, we find that Nicodemus brought myrrh to aid in the process of embalming the body of Christ in preparation for burial. And so when we look at myrrh, we find myrrh as a representation of the death and the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. These wise men knew that the gifts that they brought were a representation of something that was very, very important. So if you will, right now, I'd like for you to turn your Bibles with me to Isaiah chapter number 60. Isaiah chapter number 60. Now, the interesting thing about Isaiah, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah is a prophetic book. You understand that. There's a lot of prophecy in the book of Isaiah. And we find Isaiah 53 to be a very familiar chapter. When we go to that chapter, we are talking about the crucifixion of Christ as of the Lamb of God. We understand that, right? But we see here, you go into chapter number uh, 55, and we find that, Oh, everyone that thirsteth come you to the waters, and he that hath no money... Come, you buy and eat. You come, buy wine and milk without money, without price. We, we preach salvation message a lot of times out of Isaiah 55. Do you know why we can come and partake uh, of the water of life freely? Because Jesus Christ died for all mankind. And we see it prophetically in Isaiah chapter number 53. We understand that when Isaiah 53 was written, Christ had not died yet. All right? And so we look through this, and as we go through 
uh, this, these chapters in Isaiah, they represent something. All right, and so we find uh, chapter number 59 of Isaiah closes out by letting us know that the Redeemer will come to Zion. Now listen, we understand that Christ has come born of a virgin and is laid in a manger in Bethlehem, Judea. But he also is coming a second time to set up the millennial kingdom at Jerusalem and will rule and reign for a thousand years. And when we get into Isaiah chapter number 60, we are looking at this particular prophecy concerning that time frame. Right, so let's read here. I want to read to you a verse of scripture, Isaiah chapter 60 and verse number six. The Bible says in Isaiah 60 and verse number six, the multitude of camels shall cover thee, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all they from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and incense and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. Verse 7 says, All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together unto thee. The rams of uh, Nebaioth shall minister unto thee. They shall come up with acceptance on mine altar and I will glorify the house of my glory. Who are these that fly as a cloud and as the doves to their windows? Surely the isles shall wait for me and the ships of Tarshish first to bring thy sons from far, their silver and their gold with them, under the name of the Lord thy God and to the Holy One of Israel, because he hath glorified thee. What is going to happen here is people from all over the world are going to come to that of Jerusalem when Christ sets up the millennial kingdom, uh, Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and they're going to come to worship and praise and magnify His name at Jerusalem, but they're going to bring something with them. What are they going to bring with them when they come? Let's look at verse 6 one more time. The Bible says they shall bring gold and incense and they shall show forth the praises of the Lord. Now you understand that little baby Jesus got a whole lot of worship and a whole lot of praise when the wise men came and when the shepherds came and come to that of the stable or the manger. They glorified and praised the Lord. Understanding who it was that they were in the presence of. But when Jesus Christ comes back, Brother Shane, the second time, to set up his millennial kingdom at Jerusalem. You need to understand that everyone's going to come and from all over the world and worship and praise him. And there will be gold and incense. So what is significance about is significant about that tonight? I don't plan to be long, but I just want to call your attention to one simple little truth here and we'll go to the house. We understand that gold is going to be brought. Why? Because gold, no doubt, is a representation of something. Is a representation of the kingship and deity of Christ. When he comes, he's going to come as king of kings and lord of lords. And we understand that there will be incense. Why? But this is a representation of the office 
of the great high priest. Uh, you know, worship Jesus Christ as a great high priest. Now, let me let me say this to you, and I don't want to bust a bubble or scare anybody or make anybody think I fell off the doctrinal bandwagon, but in the second uh, coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the millennial reign, there will be sacrificial lambs. And it will not be because they need the sacrificial lambs uh, to bring atonement, but it will be a looking back on what Jesus Christ had done at Calvary. You understand that the Old Testament, the Old Testament uh, there was sacrifice made uh, looking to that of the cross of Calvary. And when Christ sets up the millennial kingdom, uh, they will sacrifice lambs uh, and look back and point to the time when Christ come, bled, and died and set up his uh, set up an atonement, if you will, for all of mankind. And he'll be worshipped and he'll be praised as such. But there's one thing. That is missing in this time of coming and praising the Lord Jesus Christ. That we do not find that happened in the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is that of the myrrh. And we understand that the myrrh is a representation of the death and suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a reason why you do not find the myrrh at the millennial kingdom. It's because he died one time and it was sufficient for all of mankind. And he died the once for the gene, but he will not have to die again. And I thank God for that. Listen, there was a death because there was a birth. And I thank God two days before Christmas uh, that I can celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, knowing that I will never have to go to hell because I put my hope and faith and trust in one that satisfied God at Calvary. And so when they come, when they come, friend, they'll bring the gold because he's a king. And they will bring the frankincense because he's a great high priest. But they'll leave out the myrrh, friend, because he will not have to die ever again. And if you put your hope and your faith and your trust in the one that died at Calvary, you will not ever have to worry about dying the second death. And I appreciate that. Let me read to you Romans chapter number 11 real quick. Romans chapter number 11. Turn there with us quickly. Romans chapter number 11. Let's just start in verse number 23, okay? The Bible says, And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For thou wert cut off out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of the mystery. So in other words, Paul is revealing a hidden truth. Okay? And the Bible says, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become. Now, he came into his own, and his own received him not. But we understand here that blindness in part is happening to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. Can I say there is a day 
There's a day, Brother Shane, that the last soul will be saved and the church will be completed and raptured out of here. Okay, and so the Bible says, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. Okay? Now, the Bible says, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. Why was the children of Israel an enemy to God? For our sakes. Whose sakes? The Gentiles. All right, it says, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. Now, listen to me closely here. This right here gets misrepresented. It says, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake, not Father God. Look at the apostrophe at the S. We're talking about plural here. He says, touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. Who are the fathers in which we are hearing about right here? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the Bible says, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. So beloved is greatly loved. And so beloved is, uh, when he says beloved, he is saying beloved for the sake of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So here's what, here's what Paul is making known. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't, God does not uh, turn back away from. He's not repentive here. For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. What does that mean? He doesn't back up or change his mind, nor does or has he done away with the gift or callings of Israel. Alright, so, so here's, why, why is he driving this point home to the Gentile? What does this have to do with the Gentile? Because the Gentiles, Paul did not want the Gentiles to get uplifted in pride and think that God had completely rejected that of Israel for the sake of the Gentile because there was a covenant that was made with Israel through Abraham. Now you need to consider that because what happens if the Gentile today in this time, when I say today, I mean in the moment that Paul is dealing with this. The Gentile begins to get puffed up in pride and think, well, God has put Israel down for our sakes. Then somewhere in the future, when you run into trouble, you may, you may stop and think, well, if God could turn his back on Israel, surely God could turn his back on us as the Gentile people. But it's being made known here that they were enemies for our sakes as Gentiles, but beloved for the sake of the fathers. We, it is being made known to the Gentiles that although God sent Jesus Christ to say whosoever will, He never once, Brother Marvin, turned His back on the nation of Israel, God's chosen people. And Paul's writing it and making sure that it's known because if we had a God that could turn His back on His chosen people, we'd have a Christ that could turn His back on you and me. But there'll be no murder. There'll be no murder at the second coming because Christ will not and cannot turn his back on his people. He completed what he came to do at Calvary. All right, so the Bible says, for as ye in times past 
have not believed God, yet now have obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Listen to this verse, and you really ought to just write this on your heart and take it home with you this Christmas. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Or hath known the mind of the Lord, or hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Remember the other Sunday or last Sunday when I was preaching, I brought up the fact that he bought his own gift. Listen, for him and through him and to him are all things. Of him I was made. There's a song that says of him I was made through him. I am saved. To him I will go for strength to face the foe. I know that I can trust in him whatever trials may bring. For of him, through him, and to him are all things. And I thank God. The scripture reveals to us that God has established certain periods and dispensations. And we are, of course, at this time in a grace dispensation, the, the age of the church or the church age as we call it. But I want you to know at this time, that this, at this time, in Isaiah chapter number 60, this dispensation Israel uh, is set aside as a nation. And uh, we, we are, excuse me, this grace dispensation Israel is set aside as a nation. That doesn't mean he won't save the Jew should they come to him. But we do understand that he set aside a time that he will rule and reign as the king of kings and lord of lords. And I am so thankful, listen to me. That there won't be any myrrh anymore. And if I had a title to the message, and I don't always title messages, that would be my title. There'll be no myrrh anymore. You better thank God tonight that when we consider what will be brought to Christ at this time, that there will not have to be any myrrh. Because what he done, he done, and he satisfied God, he satisfied the sin debt, he paid your sin debt, he paid my sin debt, and I can rest easy to tonight, tomorrow night, and on Christmas. And when I get up on Christmas morning, as I should every morning, and my feet hit the floor, I can thank the Lord Jesus Christ for the finished work, for the death, for the burial, and for the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the thought that when He comes in the Millennial Kingdom to set up His Kingdom here at Jerusalem, as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and as a great high priest, Brother Shane, he could have done that the first time. What he done the first time, Brother Marvin, was humble himself unto death and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So this Christmas, I'm thankful not only for the birth, but for the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it goes hand in hand with the birth of Christ. To celebrate His coming is to understand that you and I, because of His coming, had the ability to accept what He done at Calvary and get gloriously saved. And we see that. We see a picture of salvation just in the items that are brought to Christ 
at the second coming of Christ. Let's all stand to our feet. Sister, if you'll come to the piano, I just want you to find something soft with tonight. Maybe you just want to come tonight. Thank the Lord Jesus Christ for being born of a virgin, for your sin debt. Maybe you've got someone lost in your family. I don't know you need tonight. I'm just going to give you an opportunity to come. If you need to come, you come as she plays softly uh, tonight. Maybe you want to just take a moment and thank the Lord Jesus Christ for what he's done in your heart and in your life. I'll say this, I'm thankful, I'm so very thankful tonight for his kingship, for the, the representation of the frankincense being him being a great high priest. I'm so thankful tonight that when he died on the cross at Calvary, he died and he paid for my sin once and for all. Maybe you're lost and undone. Maybe you need to come and ask the Lord Jesus Christ under your heart. I assure you tonight, if you'll come and accept him, he'll be your savior once and for all. While she plays, if you need to come, you come. John 14 and 6 says, Jesus says unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Listen, Acts 4 and 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is another name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. If you need to be saved tonight, don't put it off. Heavenly Father, we come to you. Tonight, we thank you for these great truths in the Word of God. We thank you for being willing to come, being able, being willing to put on flesh, to bleed and die and take upon the sins of the world. Lord, we know that you bore our sins on your shoulders. Lord, you did not take of the murder. You took the death, Lord, 100%. You felt everything that had to be felt was punished uh, unlike any man that had ever been punished. Lord, to buy my pardon, and I thank God for that tonight. Lord, I look forward to the day where we'll have an eternity to spend to praise and thank you for what you've done for us, Lord, in your presence. I ask God if there's one tonight lost, undone, they don't know you in the free pardon of sin, Lord, tonight will be the night that you would deal with our heart and put them under such conviction, Father, that they lose all peace, and, uh, and Lord, they're just worried and troubled in their heart, God, until they get plumbed to the end of themselves and have to accept you as their Savior. Lord, would you deal with the sinner? Would you convict hearts? Would you deal with hearts, I pray? Then, Lord, I ask as we uh, go into Christmas Eve tomorrow and then into Christmas Day, it be on the forefront of our mind what you've done for us. Lord, not only what you give us and done for us, but what you give up for us. We know the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. 
Lord, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt the only thing you've come to do was to buy our pardon. We thank you for that. We love you. We're indebted to you. Please be with our church. Please be with our families, Lord, I pray. We'll thank you, Father. Praise you. Give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, I certainly appreciate your good attention tonight.